Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. Thanks for joining in that prayer. I don't want to waste a lot of time with any introductions and all those type of things. You know me. I'm Marcel. I'm from South Africa. Um, it's an absolute honor for me to share with you this morning. I just, as I always say, please remember that um, I'm purely just a vessel. I always pray, God, use me accurately. Uh, make me sensitive to your spirit. Guide me through your spirit. And everything that I'm sharing with you this morning, I just submitted to the leadership of this house, to um, Nathan. I know the course of Mike and Nathan, they're not here, but I submitted to their leadership. And um, I'm always open for correction and for um, just getting better at theology and refining as God leads us in fresh revelation. And it's from that place that I'm very honored to share with you a word this morning. We have some exciting news. Tasha and myself, um, we're expecting our parents this week. Um, so Tuesday they're arriving and they'll be visiting with us. And um, we're excited to have them around. We're looking forward to introduce them to this lovely family, um, to Providence, to this house. And it's going to be a blast. Um, but talking about my family... Um, I have a little story I want to share with you about my parents. So my, both my mom and dad, they really enjoy gardening. And a few years ago, they started collecting succulents and bromeliads. And they love these type of plants. And they, they started scaping these um, flower beds in their garden. And my mom would use rocks and pebbles and stumps and anything she can find to create these these kind of terrarium spaces, and it's beautiful. And I, I recall my mom once coming to me, and it was over a weekend, and she had this large clay pot that was handmade in Africa. And she said, Mosa, help me carry this out. And we took it out into the garden, and she decided that we're going to break this pot and she wanted to, to use it in her landscaping, as part of her landscaping. So in parts of this pot, she plant, planted some succulents and um, pieces of it was lying around, but it was all neatly placed the way she envisioned it. But the funny thing is that Monday morning, our gardener, well, in South Africa, it's, quite, it's a normal thing to have a gardener that comes around and helps you out for around three days a week, and he helps with mowing the lawn and keeping everything, you know, neatening up the garden and all those type of things. And his name is Franz. So Franz is an interesting character because he's got a bit of a limp, a limp with his shoulder hanging, and he's always got his shoulders back, and Franz walks around like this. But Franz also likes smoking pot. <laughs> so there's a lot of things about Franz because he speaks Tivenda, which is not, it's a different African language from my language, which is Afrikaans. So he speaks broken Afrikaans, and then he slurs these words. So he, let me tell you this. France's most favorite thing is to dig a hole while he's high on marijuana. <laughs> he's a character. And when he's high and he's got, this, he's got this limp with a slurring tongue, it becomes comical. And I grew up with old France. He's amazing. So Monday morning he comes in. And after, even growing up with him, he still calls me Michel. And I'm going to tell this story the way he told me, and I'll translate for you. So it's Monday, I'm in the house, and I hear him calling, Michel, Michel. And I go to the door, and I'm like, yeah, what's up, Franz? And he's like, ah, die kinders van Eugene. Hy die pot alweer gebreek. 
So he's saying, those kids of Eugene, which is my brother, my mom's brother, it's my cousins, they broke the pot. And he says, ah, ma ye muni wari ni, ye moet nie wari ni, you're not supposed to worry, don't worry. Ek het hierdie probleem klaar gefix. Kom kyk, jy moet kom kyk. So he tells me, this problem, I've already fixed it, come look, come look. So you can imagine what's going through my mind, because I was the one who broke that pot. I get there, all the plants are are restored to the original, you know, place where they used to be, and he somehow put this broken pot together again. But he instinctively blamed my cousins because my cousins had a reputation. You see, when they would come and visit over weekends, especially Sundays, they would head into the garden, overturning every pebble, rock, stump you can think of, looking for scorpions, snakes, spiders, whatever they could find. But that's not where it started. Where it actually started was when they were even younger and they were playing with wooden swords and they found my dad's avocado tree which my dad was nurturing because it wasn't bearing any fruit. And they literally assaulted my dad's avocado tree. In South Africa, you can drive into my car, you can drive through my fence, but there's one thing you don't touch, and that's my avocado tree. We love our avocados. It nearly caused a family feud. We were in mourning because our tree was assaulted. My destructive cousins reminds me of a story, a story of, um, that we read of in Judges 6, where... Um, Israel had turned their backs on God, and God had allowed that the Midianites come in and plunder their produce. And, we, um, and I think about the story, and what would happen is, just as the harvest would be ready for, for them to, sorry, just as the fields were ready for harvest, and they would go out to harvest, the Midianites would come in, and even the Amalekites would join with their livestock. The Bible describes them as a swarm of locusts, and they would come into these ripe fields of Israel, and they'll plunder and destroy everything. So Israel was in a place where they were totally overcome by fear, intimidation. They were desperate. They were even starving. You, you would read and find that the people were starting to hide in caves in the mountains just to try and hide from the Midianites. And it's, it's in this setting that the angel of the Lord is sitting under the, tree, the terebinth tree at Ophrah, and he's studying Gideon, who's busy thre- uh, threshing wheat in the wine press. It's amazing It's so intriguing, and it's even strange what fear does to us. How fear is able to get us to do things that we're not supposed to be doing. How fear can even make you do the right thing but in the wrong place. How fear is able to withhold you from dealing with the very things that God has empowered and equipped you to deal with. As we all know, a wine press is actually a confined space. In that time, it used to be underground, and it was used for treading the grapes. And we know that a threshing floor was something totally different. It was a big open space above ground where the thresher would take the wheat and he would toss it up in the air so that the wind could blow through it, separating the chaff from the wheat. But yet we see Gideon is so caught up with fear and intimidation that he's busy doing the um, the right thing but in the wrong place. And we see he's so caught up in fear and he's, he's hiding and all these things where God has actually called him, destined him, and empowered him to deal with the very Midianites that were suppressing his people. I want to ask you this question. What has fear driven you to? 
What winepress are you stuck in at the moment because of fear, because of intimidation, because of anxiety, whatever you want to call it? And do you realize that while others looked at Gideon and they saw a fearful, trembling man and they would refer to him as the weakest man uh, from the weakest tribe of Manasseh, God, on the other hand, was also part of that setting and he saw a mighty, fearless warrior. This morning, it's time that we start caring less about what people are saying and incline our ears to hear what God is saying about our situation. Or how about this? This morning, it's time that we care less about what we think of ourselves and care more about understanding and discovering what God means when He says things like, I created your inmost being. When God says in, in Psalms 139 that I made you fearlessly and wonderfully, understanding what it means when God said that I knew your unformed body, I ordained your days as written in my books, in my book, sorry. I have thoughts of you that outnumbers the sands of the seashore. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans of a hope and a future. It's amazing. God says that what he thinks about us outnumbers the sand of the seashore, yet it takes one lie for us to forget about a whole seashore of good things that God is thinking about us. And fear makes us give us the main stage of all our dreams, of, of our calling, our desires, to the opinions of man and to the lies that we are believing about ourselves. I want to dive into Judges 6, and I'm going to be reading verse 13 to 16, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Just follow with me, and I'm going to be quite quick. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, and he's speaking to the angel of the Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? 15. Again, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Can you see this tension between the lies that Gideon is believing and that which God is calling him out to? This morning, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what fear is whispering into your ears, into my ears that you are not good enough, that you are a failure or that you are too weak or that you are underqualified. The fact of the matter is it doesn't matter in what winepress you are stuck this morning. God is offering His presence to His people for His purpose. I want to make that more personal. God is offering His presence to you for His purpose. It doesn't matter if you're stuck in a winepress. And it doesn't matter what name you want to give to that wine press. And you know what? It is not about us, and it's not about the world standards. Because if it was, then just like Gideon saw himself, we would also probably just merely be an insignificant man from an insignificant tribe. We will not be good enough. We will not be strong enough. We will not be qualified enough. But the thing is, 
when we learn to embrace God's presence and when we learn to walk with God and to take on the empowerment that He's offering to us, we become the strongest, best candidate, the candidate for God's call. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I want to tell you a quick story about the fact that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I could remember a time, it's now nearly a decade ago, I was six years into ministry, a lot of friends around me, and the guys, you know, they would be farmers, they were in civil construction, driving around with trucks, they would get home with grease under their nails, and they would be sweaty and super tired, while I was stuck in an office, tending to the spiritual needs of people. And I could remember, I always felt like I was not man enough for, for, compared to my friends. And I could remember, I always felt like I was just not good enough. And my giftings and, and what God bestowed upon my life was totally different from those type of things. I'm a high, highly creative person. I have interest in writing and creative processes and music. And I'm stirred by, while they're stirred by big concrete construction, I'm stirred by music. And it got so bad for me, this inner struggle, my wine press was so deep and so difficult to get out of that it got to the point where I decided two days a week I would go work for a civil construction company, three days in office at the church. But the good thing is God doesn't care where you are. He uses wherever you choose to be to work in your life. And the good thing is that this company belonged to an elder in our church. And I ended up spending for two years, two days a week at the civil construction company. And God always makes the things work out to the good. Because even looking back now, I learned amazing skills. I learned how to weld. I learned how to build things. I learned how to work with my hands, how to do plumbing, electricity. It was amazing. But there was a day when I was asking myself, what am I doing in this wine press? This is not what God called me to. And I could remember I stepped out of that, learning a lot, and I'm grateful for it. Boy, oh boy, was that elder very good for me, and did he have a lot of patience with me. But I stepped out of that, and I decided it's time that I heed to what God has placed inside of me. And I, I could remember I decided writing a script and putting together a, a drama for theater, I got a group of people together, and we put this thing together on stage. And it so happened that a lot of people don't know this, but the largest, um, I would say, competition for theater, youth theater, is in South Africa. And we took this, the uh, this theater piece or this drama that we put together to this competition where we competed against 186 drama works from different places. But I just want to tell you, I had, didn't at that point have any form of qualification or training of even that of a day old. I just responded to what God had placed inside of me. God blessed it so much that we ended up going to the national finals. We ended up being in the top 10 in the entire country with kids that have never been on this stage they didn't even do orators or sing or play a musical instrument. They were the down of and outs that weren't even good enough for the school's main play. I had the B team. They had no experience. And for six, seven more years I did that, and I think three or four times I ended up going to national finals. Getting, we would play at the best art festivals you can imagine, impacting people with the gospel through the stage. 
I wasn't qualified for that because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called when we step into what He created us to do. 1 Corinthians 1, this is, it reminds me of this section from verse 26 to 31. I'm going to quickly read this. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. God calls the, un, the, God calls the unqualified. That's, he's not interested in what you qualified in or not. Because he qualifies the cord. And today I want to ask you, what is ringing the loudest in your ears? What is ringing the loudest in my own ears? Is it the fear telling us that we're not good enough, that we're not qualified? Or is it God declaring over us that we are mighty warriors and that he is our credentials? You see, God sees us through the power of Jesus, not through the shortcomings of our own weakness. And even though we might still be hiding in fear, even though we might still be stuck in that wine press, all convinced that we are alone, thinking that no one even cares or knows about our situation, I want to tell you, God is always also there. Because just as that angel was sitting under that terebinth tree watching Gideon, God is present at this very moment, and God is by your side, and He's watching the situation. And what is God looking for? He sees the slightest sign of strength. He's looking for the smallest tinge of faith. He is looking for the tiniest measure of faith because that's all he needs. Do you know what just astounds me? Jesus goes to some people and he says, be well, your faith has made you whole. Yet in another part of the scripture, it says, if you only have faith like a mustard seed. Do you realize that that is what it's all about? God just needs the smallest bit of you trusting him. God just needs the smallest bit of your faith. And realize that it is the smallest bit of what we are able to muster up inside of us, partnered with the fullness of His presence that empowers us to overcome the Midianites in our lives. It doesn't matter how intimidated you are, how fearful you are today. Just give God that little bit of knowing and watch Him move the Midianites in your life. You see, maybe your wheat of faith is still stuck to the chaff of fear. And maybe just like Gideon, you're in a place where you're saying, God, you just need to reassure me. Maybe just like Gideon today, you're saying, God, just give me one sign. Come on, give me one sign. That fleece that is wet. God, just maybe if it's fine, give me a second sign that the ground is um, wet this time and that the fleece is dry. You know, God... Maybe if you just, I want to encourage you. It's fine if you're having these conversations with God. 
It's fine. We all do that. But a time is coming when you're going to be the one stopping us. You're going to be the one. You, sorry, you're no longer going to be the one asking the questions. Because God's going to move in. And He's going to start doing the talking. And you know what's going to come out of His mouth? He's going to say, my son, my daughter, step out of the wine press. Come onto the threshing floor. Because do you realize that it is the open space of the threshing floor that God is calling us out to because it's over there where the wheat of faith is chucked up in the air and the wind separates the chaff of fear from it. Isn't it interesting that when you study the, the, in the Bible, if you look for the word describing the Spirit, that Hebrew word is ruach. What is ruach? Most of you know it's the wind. Why is God calling you out to the open space, the threshing floor? Because He knows it's over there where the walls are torn down, where you can stand. And as you toss your wheat of faith that is maybe still mixed up with the chaff of fear, the Holy Spirit can come in and separate the fear from your faith. And you can be left with, with, with seed, with sustenance. This morning, I want to encourage you, step into the open space. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and reveal the promises and eliminate the fear. Come and allow the Spirit to install courage and deal with the lies. Come to the place where you can meet with God because boy, oh boy, He's excited to meet with you. Mark eleven thirteen. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem because it's a Passover. And He sees there's a fig tree. He comes to the fig tree expecting figs, but there aren't any. And he curses the tree. But the story is not about the fig tree. It is actually reflecting to the future as Jesus would enter the temple. And he would walk into the temple. He was expecting fruit. But instead, he, had, he came in and he had to clean out the whole place. What is it with this fruit that Jesus was so occupied with. It is the fact that the temple, the temple is the place where we encounter God, where we fellowship with God. Whenever we encounter and fellowship with God, it's supposed to bring forth fruit. And that is why God is interested in the fruit, because He knows every time you come and you spend time with Him, something's going to come and He's excited about it. But that is the very same reason the enemy is chasing after your fruit. That is the very same reason why the enemy is trying to destroy your fruit. Because you see, that fig tree, those fig trees that the people would find, the travelers would find as they head for the Passover, they, they were weary, they were tired, and a lot of times as they walked past, they would, they would pick these early figs and it would be their sustenance. You see, the devil knows that as believers, we have to bear fruit because those fruits are there for the world to see and to nourish the world as they are traveling in their journey of discovering God. And that's why the enemy, once you're inflicted with a whole lot of fear, that is why the enemy is trying everything to make you fearful and to drive you into the winepress because he doesn't want your fruit to reach the world. Because he knows every weary tra traveler that's going to enjoy that fruit is going to discover the Jesus, the, the answer to their call. You see, the enemy 
is likely he's so short-sighted because he doesn't realize a lot of times what he, as he's thinking that he's contributing to our fruitlessness. Sorry, I don't know if there's such a word. But I'm working on a play of, on words. The enemy thinks he is contributing to your fruitlessness, but what he doesn't realize is that he's actually stirring up your fruitfulness. Because what we didn't know when we walked up to that avocado tree that was assaulted by my cousins, that was stripped of all its leaves and that its branches were broken and was left for dead, in the very next season, that same tree started producing abundant fruit. And what we didn't know at that time, and this is something we found out from local farmers, a lot of times if they come across a tree that is not bearing fruit, they would actually send their workers in to prune it aggressively, and they'll even beat the branches with sticks because it activates the tree into producing fruit. I promise you they do this. So you might be experiencing fear, stress, intimidation. The enemy might be plucking at your leaves and breaking off your branches, but all he's doing is he's stirring you up to bear fruit. And I know it's tough, and I know you're feeling despondent, but know that the angel of the Lord is sitting under that terebinth tree, and he's waiting for his moment to step in, because God is watching you. And he's calling, he's waiting for his chance to speak. And the moment he's opening his mouth, he's going to call you out to the threshing floor. And he's going to tell you, here is my presence for you, for my glory. So that we get busy with the right thing in the right place. So that we can overcome the very thing that causes our oppression. This morning, I want to speak to all of us, including myself. Maybe your fear and your um, faith is still mixed up like chaff and wheat. Maybe you here this morning still saying, God, I need that sign. Today, let this be your sign. You are not barren. You are not fruitless. Today, let this be the dew on your fleece. And let that be strike one for the enemy. Today, let this be the dew on the ground around the dry fleece. Strike two for the devil. Let today be the day that you hear God calling you out to the open space and saying, come to the threshing floor. Allow me to throw you up in the air so that the Spirit can work through you. Strike three for the enemy. I don't know what your wine press is. It can be different for different people over here. But we all find ourselves in a wine press at some stage or some point in our lives. And there's important work that takes place over there. God always works at all times. But today, I want to encourage you, just hear God calling you out to the threshing floor. God wants to do a separation work today in your life. Where, where He's gone. And if you allow Him, you, you'll... He'll take you and He will gently just lift you up so that the Spirit can blow through you, so that you can get that chaff of fear out of the way and be left with the wheat of faith. As far as I know, a little seed of wheat is far bigger than a mustard seed. And if a mustard seed can move a mountain, then boy, oh boy, what can a few wheat seeds of faith do?
This morning, this is kind of where I just want to end it. I think you have more than enough, and I even have more than enough. You are not a weak insignificant from the weak tribe of Manasseh. You have been destined to deal with the enemy. You have been destined to stand up and protect your family against attacks. Step out of your, th- your wine press. Step, step out into the threshing floor where God wants you. One last thing, and I'm really taking a big leap of faith this morning. But there's, there's three clear things I wanted to call out. And if this is applicable to you this morning, I just want to ask you, please, just maybe this is your, your stepping out call. Just come to me afterwards because I really want to share something significant with, with, um, with you. The first thing is that I, I experienced there's a person, and that, this person's wine press is I see how they're busy drawing pictures in a book of homes. But actually your dream is to see you building those homes, or it's possibly architecture. But you're confining all that is in you to a sketchbook because you don't believe that you're good enough for that bigger result. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm not sure if there's someone here today that's a dairy farmer. And that posturization is applicable to your situation or that it just rings a bell. If it does, I'm speaking to you. And the third thing is a specifically a lady that feels like, you know when you, when you go to the, the stores and you, you buy a papaya or a mango and it was picked too early so it doesn't ripen properly? It's kind of the same thing. You feel like a flower that was just picked too early and it was picked so early that it's unable to bloom and open up the way it should be. I realize that can be a very sensitive word, but I just want to be sensitive. Those are the three things. If, if that rings a bell for anyone, if that maybe just stirs the slightest bit of faith inside of you or moves you, please just come speak to me afterwards. But as we close today, I wanna, we're going to have the prayer team in front. If you need prayer this morning, we want to encourage you to come and join, to come join these lines and to allow someone to pray with you. But before we end, we're just going to rise up together and we're just going to pray as we close this service. Father God, thank you that no wall, no hole in the ground can keep your voice out. Thank you, Father God, that no fear, intimidation, anxiety, lie can keep your voice from speaking to our hearts. So this morning, I pray that the level of faith will rise in this place. And Father God, that we will step out in boldness into the place, the open space of the threshing floor where we get to encounter you, Father God, and where you come and do a a move in our lives and a shift in our lives. And we surrender ourselves into your hands and we pray, God, thank you, just as Bennett also prayed during the, the transition, that you come and seal the work that you're busy with today. And that no person will leave here today spending an extra minute in the wine press when they have actually been called to the threshing floor. 
And we just speak that, we release that in Jesus' name. Let this house be blessed. And Lord, may we continue to hunger for you, your presence, for your word. And may we continue to grow in you, Father. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for honoring us with your presence today. May you just continue to be moved by God and His absolute love for you. Thank you very much, Providence.